Welcome to No Picks After Dark, Baltimore Sun's best podcast of 2020, voted by you, the listeners. No Picks After Dark seeks to build a community based on human experience, storytelling, and conversation. Now your host, Aaron Dante. Welcome back to the No Picks After Dark podcast. Again, my name is Aaron Dante, and this is the Roundtable Discussion Part 2, featuring Tony, Christy, Q, and Andy. We'll be discussing Colin Kaepernick, George Floyd, among other issues. Thank you. I want to know what everybody's thoughts were when they saw George Floyd in that video. What were your thoughts going through your mind when this happened? And I'm going to ask my white friends here. Why did it take white people so long to wake the fuck up? Because this is crazy. It takes that long to wake up. We've been telling y'all since Trayvon Martin. We've been telling everybody about it. Tamir Rice. But nobody cared. You know? And so, and, and it's not, and I just, I just don't understand it. It's like, now you're waking up? You have friends, you have neighbors who've gone through this. But to get back to it, George Floyd, what was your thoughts, everybody's feelings on when they saw this? For me, it was PTSD. I couldn't do it. I couldn't watch it. I closed my mind off. I couldn't talk about it. I threw up a couple times because it was just horrific. And to see the smirk on his face is what just broke me down mentally because I just, and all the other guys sitting there watching. That to me, and it hurts me talking about it right now. Um, but I'm not. I'm gonna stop talking. And let you guys talk. What do you guys feel about George Floyd? And then I'll ask my white allies over here. What the hell took y'all so long to come to the come to the plate? So go ahead. Whoever wants to go first. Um, I mean, I can start <laughs> if we want to. Uh, I mean, I honestly, when I saw it, like my first thought was like, shit, not this again, you know. And I think that's. Um, it has been a result of as much as we all are so disturbed and hate seeing this shit like cycle over and over and autoplay in our news feeds. Like it used to be, you could open up the computer without watching someone die every 30 seconds when you're scrolling through Twitter. Um, but I think what that's done is just made, I mean, it has for me at least like exposed the fact that this is happening, which sounds, I mean, again, like, you know, we've known that this is, this has happened many times over the years. We've heard about a few of them. We haven't heard about most of them. Um, and, you know, I think anytime you watch another human being die, like that's, <laughs> that's about as disturbing as it gets, you know, for no matter what race you are. Um, I think, do we want to go into the question of why we think it's taken so long or do we want to hold that? Okay. Um, I think from my perspective, based on the conversations that I've had with folks on kind of in the South who don't live in the middle of, of stuff like this, I think um, there, there is still a sense that these are the exceptions. I think um, I know that that's not true. And I like, we all know this, you guys know this way better than I do, but 
Um, you know, it's that whole bad apple argument, right? It's the, like, we might see these things happen and those, you know, are the, like, those are the only things that are happening. You know, those are the only times that a cop is murdering somebody in cold blood. That's obviously not true. Um, it's been really interesting to watch. Like my parents, my parents are conservative. Um, they're not Trumpers. They've never been. I think they've they've always fallen more on the side of the aisle of kind of thinking that the systems work and thinking like that the default is that, um, you know, if there is something like that that happens, that it's an exception. It's not the rule. And I think this was interestingly the first time I've heard them like flip out about it. You know, they saw it and they were just like, "How can this happen? You know, how is this a thing? Like, how can this happen?" Um, and I think I like I don't know why this is the particular outrage. I think maybe it's been because it's been so pervasive because the video is so long <laughs> and so like painful to watch for everyone. Like it wasn't like a 30 second blip. It was nine minutes where you had to stare these people in the face and, you know, see a person killing another person that I think resonated with people more than you know, some of the, the things in the past. I, for whatever reason, it seems to have penetrated the circles that it, that other um, police brutality incidents caught on camera have not penetrated. Um, so yeah, I, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's horrific. I don't know what else to say. You know, I think having seen it, like I saw it the first time and every time since then I have shut it off because I can't, like, I just can't. Um, and I think it takes that level of like being so completely, you know, horrified by something to spring a lot of people into action and maybe cut through some of the noise and some of the, you know, deeply rooted baggage that we all bring to our adulthood about what is and isn't normal. Um, <laughs> I guess um, I haven't watched it. I might, I might be one of the only people who haven't watched it. Um, I haven't watched it. I didn't watch um, Ahmaud Arbery. I didn't watch that. Um, I think the reason I did not watch it is because I didn't. I didn't need to. Um, now, you know, I'm born and raised in New Jersey, but I certainly by way of the South. So. Um, I spent a lot of time in the South, in Georgia, South Carolina, um, with my other, you know, the other side of my family on my mom's side. Um, and we talk, we talk about pretty, pretty plainly how, um, how violent um, racism gets and it can mean your life um, and the horrific things that are done um, to black people that nobody wants to talk about. And, you know, for a time, it seemed like that, that was, you know, that was so far away, or that was, that was in the history, you know, in history, that doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't make it better, but that was history didn't happen. I think when I heard about Ahmaud Arbery, and I heard about George Floyd, I immediately and I don't even know why, it, like the two linked together. I immediately thought about Sean Bell. And I immediately thought about Amadou Diallo. And I thought, dang, I thought I'd never have to say that name again for that reason 
because I'm linking it to something that's happening right now. And as outrageous as that was at the time, and I was young then, you know, um, still young-ish, but um, at the time that was like, that blew my mind. Like for real, they killed him like that. I didn't need to see it to feel it. And this time I didn't need to watch it. To I felt the exact same way that I felt all those years ago. And that, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's still hard to talk about. I, I haven't really talked about it specifically because I don't know what to say. Um, I'm glad other people are outraged. Um, I'm sad it took so long. Um, I hope we keep it up, the outrage, um, to the point that nobody gets to rest because these people that have been losing their life, and there's so many, I can't remember their names. And, you know, every time I hear uh, somebody that says, say their name or remember their name, it's so many. Um, and to me, it feels like the same person, the same relative, the same, you know, it could be the kid that I grew up with or, you know, cousin or aunt or uncle or something. It's personal to me. Even if I've never met that person before, it feels like, dang, they just took my family again, again, again. And why after do I have to turn around and say, this system is good. Most of these folks are good, but they killing my family out here in the street. It's, it's such a mind. Mm. It really messes with your mind. Um, but I'm glad that um, I feel like this time everybody sees because everybody can see it. Um, I think the other ones, we saw it inside of our country, but this feels like the first time that everybody on the globe saw it and said the same thing at the same time. Like, wow, really? That's how y'all, that's, that's how you're going to bring in a new 2020? Y'all just killing people in the street like that? And it took for everybody in this planet to stand up and say, that's wrong. At the same time, to change something, we've been trying to change for, for hundreds of years. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I, I think I remember, I think I like made the mistake of um, like hopping on Twitter. I remember like, Literally, once I get out of bed, like I just have a bad habit. I've been, I, I've been more mindful of like just take the dogs out, go take a shower, and then go to your phone. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I got to be mindful with you know, because I'm always like, oh, let me go on Instagram and see what's going on. You know, like first thing. And I think like I went on Twitter. I, w- I wouldn't even hit. Like I wouldn't even. I didn't even know. Like this, like having overnight for me. I'm just like, what? Like I think like I made the mistake of reaching on my phone seen a video clip i don't even know what the description was but it wasn't much to go by i'm just like another one i'm just like what and then like you know and i'm just like sitting here i'm just like what am i watching? like i'm halfway like what am i watching and i'm just like 
what the hell? You know, like, what? You know, and then like, I just remember, like, oh, my God, I shouldn't have watched that. And then, like, just going in the shower, and it just felt like, I guess, you know, because now I'm, like, more awake. I'm just, like, it just felt like like a, like I just got punched in the stomach. I literally was just, like, and I'm, like, I don't want to I I'm pretty disciplined when it comes to emotions. With them, like, on, on, like on, on a good day, but I'm just, like, I just felt myself just, like, it was just like, whoa, this is like my whole attitude was just, I feel like I was getting beat up in the shower. I'm just like, I couldn't even like, it's like, what, what, what am I, what did I just watch? You know what I'm saying? So um, I think it's, I think it's traumatic for like a lot of black people to watch. You know what I'm saying? I think that is just trauma. Like I don't recommend, I mean, I, I honestly, I think the black people, we've we seen so much trauma going up, like just going back to like Emma Till. I remember they watching that, you know, my dad showed me a documentary on that when I was like 10. I had nightmares for like months, you know what I'm saying? And it was just like, I think even so that the national, um, the um, museum, um, African uh, National Museum in, in D.C., like they took out, I want to say, I think they raised the Emmett Till casket exhibit because kids were having like nightmares because I know they had his image in the casket, you know, once like he was like drowned and like, and they missed him like, because it was just traumatic, right? So, and um, it was just like, yeah, it was just tough. It was just like, man, this is like tough to even look at, you know, and every time it's on the news, it's just be traumatizing people over and over, especially people of color because we just, it's almost like, it's just like a lynching back in the day when you see someone lynched on a tree and they just leave it there. You walk walk by because you're like, damn, I don't know what happened to that dude, but I don't want that same result. And you just see it over and over and over again. It just comes in green. Um, and yeah, so that one's tough, you know. And then on top of that, you know, like I have a small group at my church. And, you know, of course, I'm like the only black guy in that group. I don't know why I said of course. It's not a course. You know, it's a diverse church. <laughs> I mean, not, I mean, not, it's a diverse church. I promise. There's at least seven black people there. Um, <laughs> so, but, um, just like having like, you know, just having that conversation, you know, uh, just like, everyone's just like, Tony, how you feel about this? I'm just like, guys, I can't. I, I can't today, man. I can't be the smoke person for the black people today. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it's just a lot. I think you know, the cool part is, not so cool, but the cool part is, is that we got people upset and everyone is really coming down, you know, support of all people of color. That's the great part about it. I think um, the another thing, too, it being on film makes so much more of a difference. It's almost like, you know, with Martin Luther King, when you've seen kids get water hoses and bit by dog, it just brings a whole different emotion to it. It's one thing when you hear people say they protest and they get beat by the police, but when you see it, it just triggers and reaches so many different emotions that words just can't. And so I think for America, um, or the ones who didn't realize this was going on, this kind of hit this hit harder because no longer can you deny it. You know what I'm saying? It's like there. It's on Fox 5. It's on CNN. You know, it's everywhere. It's almost like cats out the bag, you know? And so, um, yeah, so it, it brings conversation. Um, and, and I will say this too, and I'm in like this. What I did to my small group was, I said, listen, when we talk about white privilege, I said, I'm a, this is my thing on it. I said, dude, you, this, okay, you got white privilege. I know there's a lot of people that's afraid to talk about this right now because they don't want to say the wrong thing. That's, 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 I mean, I literally had one dude, again, you know, it was like, I'm not going to speak on this because um, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, so while we have this conversation small group, I'm just going to be here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
like so it was just like because I get it. You don't want you know I get it, but this is the thing too. Um, we gotta stop being comfortable. Like you gotta be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, because it's not about you at this moment, right? So we gotta get over that hurdle. The second thing is you got white privilege, use it. I told him like, dude, you got white privilege, use it. It's not you know what, dude. That's your that's your trump card. Like use it. You know what I'm saying? Like. You can use it for good. I think when we talk about white privilege, we just think it swings one way where only, you know, they use it to benefit themselves. But what we're learning that you can use this to be an advocate for us as well. You can use your white privilege to use your voice to kind of help bring awareness to it, which is which is awesome, which we need, you know what I'm saying, at the same time. Like, and so I told him, like, you know what, get over the get over the guilt thing. Use your white privilege. This is your time to use your voice. You know what I'm saying? Just like I'm using my voice. Use it and bring awareness to it, you know, at the same time. It's going to be uncomfortable, but guess what? We've been uncomfortable for years, for decades. That's nothing new to us. You know what I'm saying? It's new to you, but it's okay. Just, you know, we, we're going to get there. You know what I'm saying? But we got to have conversation about it. We all got to be uncomfortable, you know? So um, that's my two cents about it. Yeah. So between Rodney King and George Floyd, um, I've watched hundreds of videos that I wish I hadn't watched. I've heard all the stories. I know the names. I follow these things closely, and I have since I was in high school. And like, um, it, it, like, it. I tend to often over intellectualize it um, because that's my way of escaping the feeling of watching this happen over and over and over again. Um, and I think I did that immediately with George Floyd. And I think I said, he could have been the guy who was in the video in the dog park the day before if she had succeeded in calling the cops on him. Uh, because there are a million different ways that cops can kill black people. And only because of video do we get to see one instance that represents 10 of each of the times that it happens. And um, I, I think that I, I think that I watched it and there's something about watching both the slow motion murder of another person and it happening with somebody's hands or knee and not not a shot in the back not a not a quick decision like a long enduring choice in order to take that man's life and uh it it it, it made me feel you know i i've been awake to these things since 1992 since rodney king and it made me feel like they're it made me feel hopeless to watch another one because I've been trying and trying and trying um, to, you know, my, my vision is I don't want to be an ally. I want to dismantle white supremacy so that there's no need for allies anymore, but that's not working. Um, and I guess what I was happy to see was the number of people who came out because of this one. And I think like Freddie Gray, it, there's something about when it happens because of the hands of the person and not the gun of the person. I think the people are, e I think white folks are easy to say, well, that was a split second decision and it's hard. You don't know what you do in that case. But in this case, I think people watched a man kill another man with his knee um, in a long, slow, painful video. And it was clear by the look on his face that he didn't care. Sorry, I was about to say something else. Um, and and I think that woke people up, but I think there's some other things that happened too. I think that it came at the end of what is very clearly a pandemic that is killing black and brown people at a higher rate. It came at a time when there's an economic situation that is um, affecting people at a higher rate. And I think that because of Trump, people are more awake 
to the systematic racism for good or for bad. It's been here before Trump and it will be here after Trump. But I think that a, a perfect storm of things came together in this situation to have people say, no more, we're not doing this anymore. I, I guess I'm cynical at this point because I've watched waves of white people wake up um, since the 90s, since Rodney King. And I hope that this time is better. I hope that this time there's an ability for people to push it past the tipping point and it not to revert back to the way that it did after Freddie Gray, the way that it did um, in so many names, hundreds of names, where there should have been an opportunity for white folks to say enough. Um, and so I am hopeful in seeing the uprisings. I'm hopeful in seeing people get involved. I also am, I also am, feel sad that I'm cynical about it um, because I've just, I've, I've watched the awakening occur multiple times and then people go back to sleep, hit the snooze button um, and have to, um, and have to be woken up again and go through the whole process of, um, of, of the whole cycle over and over again. And I don't, I hope there is a point where it is transformative. Um, and I, I hold out that hope every time, but the more times I see it happen, get close to there, and then the wave goes back in, and black folks are out there standing alone again, um, I, I lose hope that like that these are going to be the instances that do it. And I, I'm sorry if that's a downer. I just that's sort of my feeling coming out of this right now is I'm hopeful, but I'm cynical, and uh, at the same time. No, thank you. Thank you for being honest. I mean, I just to speak on Emmett Till um, casket. When I went to the museum in um, D.C., I remember I and I, my parents have the Jet magazine. I think it's Jet magazine, the cover of it. And um, I went and when we went, went with my parents and I remember waiting in line for this casket. And, you know, I didn't know what type of emotion would hit me when I saw this casket. And they tell the story. And when you go in there, you see the casket. And I'm not an emotional person. I don't really, you know, I'm not, just not, but I find myself breaking down right at this casket, this young boy who got killed because a lady lied on him. And now, and now we, and then, like you said, the bird watching lady, <clears throat> I'm going to call the cops. You know, you're black. Why are, why are we using the police as a weapon? When you know, like when we back, we said earlier, we don't call, but it seems like white people would like to use it as a weapon, like, like, like a concierge service. <laughs> Black person acting crazy. Let me call the cops. Like, that's not the way it's working. That's not the way it's working. And, I, and I'm going to keep it real because they'll laugh because they, they live in my neighborhood. It's kind of like right now, I look, I look at this website that we all in community, community on, and I see people complaining about fireworks every single night. Let me tell you something. It's annoying. It is. I have dogs. It's annoying. And then people, I've called the cops every night. <laughs> listen, listen, I don't need you calling the cops coming to the wrong house. I don't need you because it could be that wrong house you go to. And that wrong person could be killed or shot or arrested. I don't, but you know, I don't get into that drama because some, some people don't ever want to learn. They don't want to learn. They don't want to listen. They don't have an open mind. So I, I thank you guys for all your honesty. All right. We got, Three more questions for you guys. And answer truthful with me here. Um, Colin Kaepernick, did your families, what did your families and friends think about it when he was kneeling? And did they think it was 
he was just being selfish with the flag because I knew what he was kneeling for. Um, I had a lot of white associates who were like, this is the flag. This is ridiculous. This is disgusting. And I'm just, but now they're t- changing their tune. It's a little bit too late for that. It's a little bit too late for the, for the change tune now. You got, you got, you got conned by the con man in the, up on, on 1600, uh, 1600 black, black lives matter. We're Avenue. So again, what did you guys think about Colin Kaepernick and also with his, what he's, what he's doing. And do you think we will ever see an end of systematic racism? So that's two questions. Do you think first one, Colin Kaepernick, second one, do you think you'll ever see the end of systematic racism? Personally, and I'll kind of like what Andy said earlier, I'm very doubtful about what's going to happen next. I think people are going to go back to the way it is. I think when sports starts back up, I think people are forgetting. I think when outside weapons back up, people will be forgetting. And guess what? Another black man's going to get shot and killed. And guess what? We're back at square one. But that's just how I feel. But sorry, I'm sorry I went on my little tangent. But go ahead. Kaepernick and then systematic racism. Please, whoever wants to step up first. I'll go first on this one. Um, I thought what Colin Kaepernick did was really important. I thought that um, it galvanized um, conversation within football, which is sort of um, in some ways at the root of white supremacy and was a role, a key role in cementing the ability. I mean, you went to Syracuse, right? So, um, you know, football serves at the intersection of how the white middle class became the white middle class in the post-war era. There's a whole bunch going on there. There was black people playing under native imagery, and there's probably nothing more American than the white middle class uniting around um, forgetting native people and allowing black and violence amongst black people. So uh, I thought the Colin Kaepernick standing up in the middle of football um, of all sports was super important. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, I don't think he'll ever play again, but I think he's going to win because I think the league is going to shift in his direction. Now, uh, on this question about will white supremacy end, I don't think that white supremacy can end with the United States existing as we understand it today. I think the United States is fundamentally built on native genocide and um, the history of enslaved black people. And uh, until we end our understanding of what that world is, um, it will continue to be, it will continue to use capitalism in order to maintain white supremacy. So um, do I think it's possible to end that world potentially? Um, But I don't think that it can happen. I don't think we can reform our way out of a legacy of uh, enslaved people and native genocide. It just, I I think it's too foundational to uh, the way that we live our life, we build our economy, and that our the nation we live in is structured. I can go. Um, man, it's such, like, both of those, I feel like, are really big questions. Um, and Andy and Hugh, you guys answered them so eloquently that <laughs> it's hard for me to follow. But, um, I mean, as far as Kaepernick, like, I thought it was awesome. I was never a huge football fan. I was never ingrained in that world. Um, so I feel like it was... Um, you know, it was something that I was kind of viewing from a distance and seeing just the um, kind of the image that it portrayed and, you know, see like it's it's a moment that jumps out to me as very much a litmus test of the folks that, you know, I see and I, I'm surrounded by to see what the responses were. You know, it was like I look at it. I was I mean, I won't go too much into it, but there was a, a shift. I went to social work school. That was kind of I think my my point at which I 
re-examined a lot of stuff from my upbringing and, you know, shifted my worldview quite a bit. Um, but I, by that point I was already, you know, I was looking at it like, okay, absolutely. This person's standing up to injustice and, you know, I think it's amazing and super brave. And he gave up an incredible amount of, you know, everything, uh, to do so, but seeing the responses to the, you know, to that situation from the people around me, even the progressive people around me who could look at it and say like, well, you know, it's, it's cool that he did that, but like, I don't know, like maybe he might've offended some people who held the flag dear or, you know, what has he thought about military families or that kind of thing. Um, it, it was, I think formative for me just to see the spectrum of reactions that, um, came out of the, the people that I, um, interacted with. As far as um, what I think is going to happen with the system of white supremacy, I'm I am absolutely with Andy and Q. I think I feel um, <clears throat> my my days of optimism are a lot fewer than my days of pessimism. <laughs> I think, which is not um, not a great place to be. And I think the the point at which that becomes problematic is when you think that it's too big of a problem to continue fighting. And I think that's where a lot of people get where you know you see this this daunting huge thing that we can't technically erase and we can't correct completely, but it's absolutely still worth our effort to try to change that system, to be in, you know, to be an advocate for your community, to get in there and have the uncomfortable conversations and really, you know, try to, to move the conversation however incrementally you can. Um, But at the end of the day, like our, our country is, founded on white supremacy 100% like there's no part of any system that we all benefit from or interact with that didn't come from that place and I think that's gonna be like I don't know I'm, I'm in a very interesting spot as far as just feeling like everything is so broken right now that maybe the only way to fix it is to burn it down and start over you know and I think um like I I agree. I don't think that there's any amount of reform that we can do right now that's going to like fix the broken stuff in the world. And like, I think um, like it's hard, it's very overwhelming to look at it and, and, and try to understand your place in starting to, to set us off in the right direction. But um, I have to hope that like, I don't think this is going to be the last moment of, I don't think this is going to be the last George Floyd. I don't think this is going to be the last, you know, moment of uprising for sure. But I, I hope that we're moving in the right direction. You know, I hope that it's, you know, 10 steps forward and five steps back and not 10 steps forward and 15 steps back. Like hopefully we can, we can keep going on the trajectory that we need to go on and, I don't know that we'll see it change in a meaningful way in our lifetimes, but, you know, we can hopefully pass the baton to the people coming after us. And at some point, maybe in a few centuries, we can find ourselves in a better yeah, place. I, I would agree. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a cheesy answer, right? I agree. No, <laughs> um, a thousand percent. I agree with what you, everything you just said. Um, what do I think about cat? Um, He's this generation Mahali, as far as I'm concerned. Um, will they allow him to play or not? I think I respected him more for taking even that away from 
you know what I mean? His, his naysayers to say, I don't care if you give me a job. Um, I'm protesting, <laughs> not just the fact that, you know what I'm saying? Um, police can't kill black people, one, um, but everything that's fundamentally wrong with a racist system, that, that's what I'm fighting. So I don't care if you give me a job back or not. And I'm going to show up and work out and show you that I still got the goods. If I wanted your job, I could get one, but I don't want it. Like to me, that that's that screams Ali, and we need that. We need that um, to make it to to keep pushing pushing the agenda. Or that we don't have to remain in racist systems. We don't have to stay oppressed. Um, I agree, Andy, with you, and I'm a little bit cynical too. But I think it's mostly truth. No, we can't. We can't. Um, we can't just overcome this. Um, the establishment or the system, or however you want to name it, we can't just overcome it. It is the foundation of this country as the United States of America. It, it's it's as deep rooted as 1619. There, there's no going back. Um, and we can't, there's nothing to salvage. There's nothing for all the good that came from it. It's all tarnished from, you know what I'm saying? Generations and generations of trauma. Um, so there, there's, there's not much, you know, even though we think like, oh, all the great advances and stuff that came out of, it was forced out. Imagine what people would have done freely. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I don't think there's there's a a, a, a going back or, a, you know, kind of bringing it together. I don't want it to come together because it's so wrong. It's like this system, and I think about it, I'll try not to go on a tangent too bad. It didn't just brutalize and traumatize Black people. I think about also, you know, the white folks that were not were not down with the cause that also have been, you got to shut up and be quiet and go along with this. You know what I'm saying? For generations as well. Um, not to even mention the native people that were here to begin. So like everybody was, you know what I'm saying? Being pushed down into place brutally by this system. Um, I don't want any parts of this system. It needs to go. It needs to go. We can't, we can't survive as a nation any longer like this. I mean, it can survive, but it's going to get worse and it's going to get ugly, uglier, which I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that future. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, a hundred percent. It's funny. I had, uh, so we were going to me and wife, we got tickets to like a Baltimore game. And um, there's another guy who names Tony. Coincidentally, he's a white guy. Oh, Tony's not cool. But you know, it was like he's like uh, you know, he's cool. He's like a he's like a he's like a hillbilly um, type of cat. But he's cool though, you know. And so I never forget it. So we, I mean, for the record, I'm gonna tell you, I'm not a big football fan, but you know, I love the sport, you know. But we just got free tickets, so we going to the game. And before we go to the game, I see Tony, and I guess it's with his father-in-law. He's helping him fix a truck or something like that. I'm in the car. I say, hey, Tony, where are you going? I'm like, man, I'm going to the game. 
this is the first when Kaepernick, like, you know, pretty much got blackballed and he's not playing anymore. And I think his father-in-law just, like, butted in the conversation. Like, yeah, y'all, and I hope y'all, I hope y'all staying for the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, when they do the Pledge of Allegiance, and I'm just like, like, the whole outside just got kind of like, and I feel bad because Tony's just like, oh, my God, my father-in-law just say that. And wife is in the car, and I'm just like, and I just said, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I just left. And it's like, it's like moments like that, you know, that 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 black people, we got to pick up battles. We live in two different Americas. I tell people all the time, being black is tired, you know what I'm saying? Because at one moment, I'm just like, all right, let's, let's bring this back around real quick. Tony, what's your father-in-law name? Let's have this, let, let, me, let me talk to him, bro. Let's have this. But then it's like, dude, go to the football game. Don't, this, this not, this, we're not having this conversation, you know, right? And so I think people don't understand. And again, so to bring this moment for a circle, I think for a lot of people that it's easy to believe that America is full of opportunity, it's fair because that's the that's the America that he lived in, I'm sure. I don't know that guy from a can of paint, right? But I'm sure the flag to him means everything. It means that if you do right, you get right. You know what I'm saying? And if you work hard in life, you get the things out of life you get. Absolutely. That's the America that he lives in. The flag means that much to him. Okay, that's not the same reality that I live in. We don't have the same relationship with the flag, you know what I'm saying, for what it represents. You know, racism to me is a hot fudge. It's just the top thing you see on the ice cream, but systematic racism, it's just the calories and stuff that you don't see. You know what I'm saying? That's the real issue. But we see fudge, though. It's like, oh, it's fudge with cream. Yeah, that's racism. It's right there. You know what I'm saying? But the systematic racism, you can't see, you know, and so... My thing is, yeah, man. I'm like, yo, this the pleasure leaders, yeah, like for sure. Like, definitely Sam Hard Cat for what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? And people just don't see that other side because they don't experience. And not only so it's almost like if I take time to learn about what he's standing for, then I have to be held accountable. When I'm held accountable, guess what? I'm responsible. That's so many different things. Nobody wants responsibility. You know what I'm saying? That type of accountability because it weighs heavy because it challenges the America that you were told that you live. You know what I'm saying? Like to make it, you know, it's 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 you know, it's just like it's just like a family member, you know, and and, and you it's almost like siblings almost when you live it's amazing when you hear siblings when I mean, you talk about your parents, y'all got the same parents, but y'all had three different experiences, but you lived in the same house. How? You know what I'm saying? But it's because everyone has different experiences with their parents, good or bad. And so, um, but sports is interesting. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge football fan, but I am when it comes to sports because sports is interesting because sports is the equal, it's the equalizer, right? That's the one thing we all come together in, right? But it's interesting because if you go back in our history lessons and we look at someone with an athlete who was Miles Davis' favorite athlete, who was Prince's favorite athlete, one of my two is Jack Johnson, you know, who's a black boxer. That's the thing, you know, who was knocking white people out way before Floyd, you know what I'm saying, before Tyson. But the thing about it was about Jack Johnson was that he's in the ring. It's the only time you get to fight a white person and it's fair. Two things right there. I get to fight a white person and it's fair. Where else can you do that at? That's sports. Sports bring people together. Sports create an equal opportunity for people to do it out and handle it. You're not getting nowhere else. When Jack Johnson was fighting these fights back in the day, there would be riots of white people that once he won, because guess what? 
Just because Jack Johnson won, don't think you can go out there and do the same thing he's doing. Don't think you're great. That's the power of sports. And then you take a Jack Johnson, but on the other side, you got a Michael Jordan, who's afraid to say something against Republicans because they buy sneakers too. You know what I'm saying? Mike don't want to say nothing because he don't want to offend anybody. You know what I'm saying? But Mike is the face of the NBA, especially in the 90s. But we got someone like Mike, you know, and, and again, I ain't coming down on Mike. We all got our battles, you know what I'm saying? But he's not a Kaepernick type, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, but, but Kaepernick is definitely like Ali because Ali sacrificed it all. Like, he put it on the line, you know what I'm saying? I think anytime, whether it's an athlete or not, I, just, I think athletes are just, just important because, again, football is like, you know, it's America as, you know, apple pie. That's the thing that brings people together, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's just interesting that we got someone who's bringing racism front and center on the football field and then we got an issue with it. But outside of the football field, you know what I'm saying? We cool with it. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's, that's always telling. So I just think back history, man. I think back, you know, Jack Johnson's, I think back to the alleys that, you know, the people who stand for something and why, why is it so offensive? You know, and when we come to systematic racism, it's easy to address racism, but it's harder to deal with systematic racism because it's been implemented. It's a system. The system is broken. The system ain't broken. The system is working. The problem is not working the way it's supposed to work. You know what I'm saying? Not broken. You know what I'm saying? It's healthy. You know what I'm saying? And that's not the problem. You know, so I think that's that's the issue that we gotta really face. And again, um it's going to take time. I want to be optimistic, too. I want to say I'm an optimistic person in general. I believe all things are possible, of course. You know what I'm saying? But along that process, you get like Moses. You get to the mountaintop, and you just get tired. You know what I'm saying? Joshua, go ahead and take him to the rest. I'm here. Well, let me know how it is. You know what I'm saying? And you just got to be, you know, you got to be optimistic, you know. Of course, we want, we want better. You know, we want better. Um, especially when you got kids, especially when you're playing the kids, you know, you want to live in a world that does much better, you know, but but you got to be realistic too, you know, at the same time. So. All right. So the last question for you guys, just to wrap it up, it's not even a question, but what did you guys get from this experience tonight? I mean, I know you guys have had several conversations with other people, but these are four different strangers. It's like the real world TV show, but the no picture of dark podcast. Um, what was your feelings after just hearing each other talk? What are your thoughts and what do you look for for going forward, like future wise? Give everybody five minutes to go ahead and see what they got to say. So we can wrap it up. Whoever wants to go first. I'll go first. Um, so I think that, um, you know, when I told my wife that I was going to be on a panel with strangers talking about race on a, on a podcast, she was like, hmm, is that a good idea? And she facilitated racial justice trainings for a living. So um, she had some concern about it. I think this was a really good thing. And I think that there was a, there's potential for a conversation like this to be fraught, to be uh, antagonistic and to be disagreeable. Um, and I think that I got to meet some new people uh, that I didn't know, got to hear some perspectives uh, that I, I really appreciate. And I think that it's important to have these conversations um, about, about race. I mean, race is fundamental to the experience of what we do here uh, in this country. Um, and I think that there are, being willing to talk about it is just, is absolutely essential. Uh, you know, I, I, I sort of, 
Um, there was a question on the sheet about being a, about white allies, I, I think, and I, and I don't know that we talked about it, but for me, the question is not about whether or not we are allies or not, because I think that's often like a nickname that white folks give themselves in order to feel like they're doing something better. And I think we need to confront and sit with, uh, white folks need to confront and sit with their whiteness instead of um, trying to dissemble it, to diffuse it, to do all these different things with these different labels. And uh, the best way to do that is to be present in space with folks. Um, and, you know, I wish that we could do this sitting around the table. And I know that there will be some time in 2026 or something when we're allowed to go outside again, when that can happen. Um, but I really appreciate the opportunity, Aaron. Thank you for putting us all together. Thank you for assembling a panel of folks that you knew would have a good and thoughtful conversation. Um, and, um, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to get to meet Q and Tony um, and to see my two neighbors. Um, and um, so, you know, thank you. It was great. I look forward to hearing how it comes out. Felt like it was a good conversation listening to it this time or speaking it, but I, um, I imagine it will feel even better getting to hear the nuance that was in things uh, while people were nervous to speak. So thank you. Um, I, so this has been an awesome experience. I think um, like Andy, I was, I had reservations about coming into this conversation. I think, um, you know, given the, the quarantine situation, like we are in a world where most, a lot of these, these conversations are happening online, you know, it's happening in people's Facebook comments and Twitter. And, um, you know, it's, in my opinion, not the best format for those conversations. Um, it's the one that we have right now, <laughs> but, um, I like, I think I was telling you, Aaron, like I've been in this mode of like, I'm trying to listen more than I talk right now. Um, I think, blasting stuff out online to me feels like not the thing for me to do. Um, and, you know, I think the, the way that we come out of this changed is that we have these conversations and coming into this, you know, my thought process was like, well, probably this is going to be uncomfortable <laughs> at times, but this is the thing I can do. You know, maybe I'm not blasting a bunch of stuff out on social media and arguing with people on Facebook about stuff, but um, I can bring myself to this conversation and bring my experiences to this conversation and, you know, be a little bit uncomfortable for two hours. Fortunately, you know how to put together a panel and everybody here is amazing. And uh, this has just been nothing but a positive experience um, for me to just listen and hear, you know, everybody's experiences with some really, really difficult stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, I was able to be a part. I appreciate you inviting me and, yeah, I hope that we can do this again in person. I really do. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> this uh, this this was a really a really really good conversation, and um, for me, it was good practice. I hate to say it like that, but um, you know, I, after being kind of in seclusion for a while, <laughs> and you know, um, for me, work is going to start back soon. Um, and work is not just work when you're on a college campus. It's, it's half work, half uh, life, right? Um, and just being in a forum like this to, you know, to kind of talk to hash out feelings and really think, you know, think about this before I start talking about it, 
um, I'm thankful for the opportunity to do that because I know it, it's not, we're not going to stop talking about it. We can't stop talking about it. But if we are armed better and better each time or more, you know, more prepared each time, then the conversations get better and better. Um, we get closer to action. Um, we have to start by talking to get it out because there's so much that I think that this time has, has revealed that has been bottled up that people just never knew that you didn't even know you had in yourself. Um, so to talk like this, um, knowing that not every conversation has to be, you know, argumentative, not every conversation has to be, you know, you going to a table to feel like, okay, I have to be prepared. I have to be armed in case someone says something contrary or somebody says something negative how am I going to respond but just to be and sit in a space where the consensus is something is wrong <laughs> right um and we can we can do something about it um together and it's not just you or people that look like you that feel that way um a lot of people feel that way and I think the more we talk the more you know, people will feel emboldened to say, you know, they might not have ever spoken up about anything before. Now is your time. Now is your time to speak. Um, and I hope that this this sparks that for other people just to to continue to speak. I'm happy that I met you all, and uh, I'm hoping for uh, after after uh, COVID has subsided um, that I'll get an invite to one of those. Uh, killer barbecues that I know happen in that neighborhood, I've been told. Um, <laughs> but to meet you all um, face to face and, you know, and just continue the conversation, I would definitely look forward to that. Day. Yeah, I, I agree. Again, I agree with everybody else. I agree with everyone. Everyone said what I wanted to say. There's nothing else I need to say. No, I'm joking. <laughs> No, this uh, no, this is good. I, I like I like having conversation. I think the hardest part is just having the conversation. You know, like you know, just just being able to talk about it, and that comes from creating an environment where you make people feel comfortable. You know, so so definitely kudos see you in for creating an environment. Um, you know, where people can let down a guard, guard, have honest conversation. Because at this, you know, until we have conversation, we won't address it. You know, and I agree. You know, with the Facebook comments and the Twitter responses it's just like let's just talk about it you know what I'm saying let me just uh let me just say my two cents and at the same time be neutral you know even you know as a black male let me let me have an open perspective on other people because again I'm I'm fully convinced this is some people just don't know you know what I'm saying like they just don't know and you know it's just not their everyday world so I'm I'm, I'm not you know like well you know you know better you know it's just like you know what you don't know, I right, well, you run into the right guy. You know what I'm saying? Because I get you, you know, get hit, have some coffee, let's talk about it. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then ask questions. You know, that's how we learn. You know, that's how we, that's how we um create that conversation. You know what I'm saying? Is this? And I'm, I'm happy to see, um, you know, hear people different, you know, perspectives, and everyone being respectful of everybody's different experiences as well. You know, and not downplaying mm -hmm. or not like, oh yeah, that's you. You know, but like, you no, know, really being mindful and respect, um, you know people perspectives and I think that's how we get that's how we get it done you know by just showing love being open compassionate and then being aware you know that's all you can do at the end of the day and drink good coffee
Firm believer. Good coffee and love can change anything. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for coming on the round table, the notebooks of dark round table. This has been an amazing experience. You know, I've always seen these things on CNN, Fox, MSNBC round tables of people talking that I really can't relate to. And I really wanted to have it hit home and people that we actually know, people that are common, we have common things together, living in the same neighborhoods, living, you know, working together before. And I would like to thank Tony, Quintina, aka Q, Christy, and Andy for being brave to come on this podcast and speak your truths. And I, it really has hit home and I'm really just warm just inside because this was an amazing experience for everybody to first meet each other. Nobody knew each other really that well. And I was the only common denominator. And for you guys to tell your stories and to answer these questions truthfully and come on the show. I mean, that had to be very hard to do. And again, I appreciate everybody for listening and taking time out your day to listen to this very important topic. I always tell people, you know, the real war or battle starts now, you know, going to that cousin or aunt that's talking reckless and not helping, not bringing people together. And the people who are on Instagram who want to say, you know, all of a sudden they want to be cheerleaders. You know, I want you to do it all every day, all day. And I just really want this experience for people to open their eyes and hopefully it reaches one person and that's all it takes. You know, one person to say, wow, that this is really good. I really want to take this back to my friends in my pod or wherever we live in during this time of quarantine. Again, thank you so much for being a part of the no picks are dark first time round table part one and part two. And hopefully we can have this discussion again very soon. And um, again, folks, thank you for listening to no picks are dark podcast. Peace, love, and happiness. I'm out.